Hello and welcome back to Art of the Podcast. God, it's been such an eventful week. Um, the Black Lives Matter protests have obviously been occurring, um, sparked out of tragedy and are now um, taking place across the, gro- the globe and making real progress. Uh, th- that's been, I guess, dominating um, my thoughts this week, and I'm sure many of you, um, despite the reports of violence from protesters that we're seeing in the news, it's clear that the vast majority of protests are making genuine change, bringing people together on the streets, outside embassies and parliaments, um, and it's truly been some inspiring um, work uh, from a huge collective of people, which is um, brilliant. Um, it's it's always so interesting to see how art interacts with these movements, not least um, in the wonderful sort of agitprop posters and banner designs for protesting. Um, but also I saw, and I'm sure some of you saw, the bronze statue designed by the sculptor John Cassidy of Edward Colston in Bristol being torn down and thrown in the river by protesters. Um, And it's moments like that that become significant spectacles in protests um, because what art we keep in our public spaces is significant. So um, this symbolised to me and many others um, an act of tearing down of the old imperial legacy, um, all embodied in that moment. Um, I've seen videos, um, comments online and some press reporting this as though it was an act of vandalism, Um, people talking about the good he did for our country as a philanthropist. Um, But read a bit about Edward Colston and you'll find out where he got that money from that he was financially able to be a philanthropist from because he was a member of the Royal African Company, which at the time had a monopoly over the over Britain's slave trade um, in 1680. By 1689, the company had transported 100,000 enslaved Africans in chains to the American to the Americas who were branded with the firm's initials RAC on their chests. So I think that taking this statue down was long overdue. And perhaps we should look at what other works of public art we have in our shared spaces commemorating historical figures. Um, As uh, art lovers, as I know many of you are, um, and I am myself, we should maybe take a look around the towns and villages and cities that we live in as we walk by the artworks that are there and do some research into who it is that we're celebrating um, in the art that decorates our spaces um, and think about maybe who they could be replaced by. Um, It's amazing that the murder of George Floyd caused such waves that, in his memory, the public spaces that we live in across the the globe from America to here in the UK are changing and becoming less racist. So on today's episode I had a chat with the wonderful Leora Chiprut. Um, Leora is participating in our summer auction and Leora's work is concerned with belonging, 
girlhood and the theatrical. Informed by Jewish folklore and the canon of art history, she's interested in the contemporary relevance of drawing and play. She builds these puppet characters to construct her own pantheon from which she draws images. We discuss her inspirations deriving from a history of Jewish puppetry and Leora talks wonderfully about her process. I found this a really fun interview to record. I think Leora's passion for folkloric stories and fascination with the peculiar are really infectious. Leora's postcard size artwork is called Blue Magda, which you can take a look at on our website, artonapostcard.com. And I really do urge you to go and have a look through the cards on our site. Um, it's such a colourful, uh, wonderful auction and all cards start at just £50, um, which is nothing for an original piece of artwork um, and you can bid online through our website from the 25th of June to the 9th of July. While you're on the website you can also take a look through some of our beautiful prints that we sell by artists like Patrick Hughes, Seal Warnance, Vanessa Jackson RA, Dan Baldwin and many many more. All proceeds go to the Hepatitis C Trust. So enjoy the episode and do get in touch if you have any thoughts on our interview um, or anything discussed in the episode um, and make sure you follow us at Art on a Postcard um, on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Art on a Postcard. Hi Leora, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right, thanks. How are you, Rosie? You all right? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, just soaking up the sun in the garden. <laughs> um, had a bit of work to do. What about yourself? Um, what I've been doing? Well, I've just been, I've got this really modified version of my studio, which is this very small desk, and I built some of the little shelves. So it's everything's really condensed right. into one very small space, but it's actually, it's quite exciting. Ah, yeah. So, uh, did you have that space before the lockdown? Were you using that, or is this a new invention? It's it's a new invention because um, where I'm locked down, I don't have any space to work, which uh-huh. obviously is a bit of a nightmare. But right. uh, but yeah, so so it's a uh, yeah, it's it's kind of the yeah. smallest space that I wouldn't have thought that you could produce so much work in such a small space and with such limited materials it's uh so it's yeah it's quite yeah. a kind of revelation for me yeah so d- does that um are you then therefore like keeping active and stuff are you able to sort of create and keep creating work yeah I mean completely in a way even more so because because it's so reduced it's that it you know you make a coffee and you sit down and everything is here mm. you know it's not it's not like there's um oh, I'm going to go to the show, or oh, I'm going to go visit this artist's studio, or I'm going to go to, uh, where am I going to make work? Am I going to go to the print studio? Um, everything's just, it's kind of simplified, kind of distilled. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so are you, is, are you printmaking um, in that space? Are you drawing? Is it puppet making? Which kind of practice is thriving the most in the lockdown kind of period? Uh, well, what, what I've been doing is... Um, I've been making drawings and paintings mm. on these just small bits of um, gesso sort of artboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're very small. Most of them are smaller than A4 or half A4, almost kind of postcard mm. size. 
You um, like those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I thought of that. I said, oh, they're all, they're all little postcards. Um, <laughs> which is, it's a really nice, I kind of wanted, I, I decided to use this time to develop painting. Cause I feel like painting's always been this, been something that's really terrified me. Right. Um, and so I thought, right, can't go to the etching studio, can't be making these monoprints, which monoprints, I think it was me trying to edge really slowly towards painting. Um, mm. So I, I prepped these boards, but then I realized that they're actually really lovely to draw on. Right, yeah. They're just, they're just really, this really smooth uh, surface. It's just really, it's quite exciting. It's got a bit of a ochre wash on. And so mm. within that limitation, I've just been, I've got some of my puppets here. I don't have the things to make them here. Um, but I've been playing with them and also revisiting um, older work uh, yeah. through drawing and uh, it's been really exciting. Oh wow, great. That sounds so fun. Sounds like you've got it, you've got it covered um, there, which is great. Um, so am I right in saying that you're currently, are you currently study, start finishing your MA at Camworth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, how's that working? How does that, how's that go at the moment? Oh, well, um, it's all it's all been moved online okay um which is all it's, it's a bit it's a bit overwhelming <laughs> um yeah I bet but um and also I mean the the work that I've been planning to make is quite huge and incorporates print and puppets it's kind of huge thing mm. so I've got all of the I was kind of ready ready to rock and roll and make it and then obviously the lockdown happened um so it's yeah it's 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 quite weird i'll still make the work i don't know i don't know when i mean i heard that the lockdown might be being eased soon so mm. um there will still be that opportunity but uh, but yeah i think i think some others um, some other students are really studying i think that i've just changed course and it's allowed me it's actually been really really exciting for my work um yeah. i think i think a lot of other students are really struggling i can imagine so yeah um like you said not having the the equipment at your at your fingertips and also Separate I imagine from the institution as well creates quite a could create quite a sense of distance between yourself and the the course you know yeah yeah I, I think so I and mean, I think I'm lucky insofar as um I think my art education um I suppose education uh, carries on throughout your life mm. I feel like uh, it does come from the tutors who I really respect and the technicians there but a lot of it is through other artists I know um and you know that I can still kind of catch up with um, yeah but I, I don't really I don't feel kind of as cut off um mm. from yeah, yeah. So, which is really yeah. nice that's great I, I I gotta say your prints are so stunning I've loved looking through them um I love how much detail and how much the the characters really come to life um and they do tell these fantastic stories um i was wondering what is it about the process of printmaking that draws you to it oh well, first of all thank you that's uh, that's really kind um i think i was initially drawn to um to print and then definitely etching and now kind of monoprint um was because it's it's a kind of a formal a form formalization of drawing mm. that, that isn't painting it, you know because something about the etch line on metal is it's kind of a kind of another avenue um and, and i really love i really love drawing i mean I, in 2018 there was that amazing show um studio prints um mm. at marlborough graphics 
um, which was a lot of the prints that were made in um, in studio prints. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was uh, Balik Janin, um, his his wife Dorothy Wright, um, yeah. who worked with a lot of contemporary artists at the time to make just such phenomenal work. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, you know, Frank Warbach and Celia Paul, mm. Lucian Freud. Um, and I remember going to that show and it really crystallizing how I felt about etching, which is that it's this kind of formalization of drawing that's completely led by drawing. Right. Um, yeah. Which, which is, yeah, I think that was, that was one of the main um, draws towards print. But I think also as well, um, print has such a radically different history than painting. Um, mm. Think about painting that was about, um, you know, like the British Baroque at, at the Tate, you know, this kind of pomp and ceremony and I look at this wealth that we have and mm. um, kind of huge things. Whereas print has its history in people wanting to share information. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think there's, there's something really profound in that. Um, something that's made to be dis dissipated and shared and go on to live its own life. Um, mm. I think is is something that's quite it's quite powerful to be making work in that tradition. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I, I do I do see that in your work that there is a lot of there is a lot of life to it. There's a lot of um, um, I, I can feel sort of your passion coming out, and also perhaps it is like you said because it's a it's a process that's kind of in motion, you know, and and it's it's not a, a kind of seated stagnant process it you know it that there's something about it that's really energized um and that definitely comes through your work um and I, i'm i'm so loving looking at your puppets as well that you make and i've been watching your animations which are which they're, they're beautiful but they're also really funny as well and that's that's you know that's great to see and it it's a it's a brilliant marriage of those two kind of uh like humor and also I suppose like politics mm. and I know uh, you said that your obsession on, on your website I've read that your obsession with puppets started when you found Zuni Maud the puppet ma maker from the 1920s mm. um can you tell us a bit about him and what drew you to that kind of satirical puppet making yeah well um I I was doing my BA at uh, Brighton Mm. Um, in fine art print and there was uh, a module that we had to pick from a different department um so the things like learn how to design a table or um kind of quite interesting things but one of them was uh, puppets mm. oh, that sounds that sounds really cool because um I was always really into uh i remember it's not there anymore but there used to be the theater museum in covent garden yeah yeah and it just had the, the most amazing uh, puppets so i um I picked that module and then as I was researching around it, um, did that thing, you know, I'm sure everyone does it when you type into Google your favorite things, like a combination, <laughs> see if something comes up. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I found a really good book of essays like that. I said, like, women, Jewish artists, UK. I'm like, oh, there's a book <laughs> about it. That's great. Um, and I just put sort of Yiddish puppets. I was like, oh, let's have a look. Wow. And, um, and I found um, Zuni Maud in his theater, the Modicart Theater. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's actually funny because Zuni is a Yiddishization of Sonny. Right. So he, was a, he was a factory runner. So he was called, um, it was like, oh yeah, here you go, Sonny. So Zuni is the kind of version of that. Oh, and okay. um, although I thought I found it interesting that initially in Europe, 
um, there's kind of theories about how uh, Jews coming to Europe introduced puppets, um, kind of as a mm. cultural tradition. But by the time that he was, I mean, he was the European, um, kind of the Yiddish-speaking Jew, they were, he, he was in New York. Um, mm. Puppets were so removed from the Jewish tradition and that him growing up in, in Russia would have, the, would have seen puppet shows that were, first of all, completely removed from his own culture and also actually sometimes quite anti-Semitic. You'd have like the evil Jew um, in them. But yet he, he still found something in puppets and kind of infused them with Yiddish folk tales um, and kind of radical political satire. And they, they were kind of performing these plays um, in, in factories and they were getting shut down. And it was like really, really radical. Um, mm. And I was just reading about this and I was like, oh, wow. Like that's, you know, when this sort of kind of yeah. changes in your brain, you're like this, oh, wow, this is, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I started to make them just, for the module but then also just just kind of playing with them um and then i started i started making um drawings of them um and i love drawing from life that's i, I just have always loved i think as a child when even though obviously children's drawing is terrible but when you can catch a likeness you know yeah. you feel um you feel really powerful i think in life you feel so powerless most of the time to feel like mm. you can catch something um and so but drawing from puppets is weird because they don't, they're not immediately identifiable as puppets, but, mm. but they can sit in a place that's kind of in between real life because they're physically in front of me, but they're not, they're not real people. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's this kind of interesting, interesting, uh, interesting space. But I think there are a lot of them. Um, there are other artists that, that work in this way, kind of build this world of women, whether it's through physical puppets or through their work. Mm. And obviously, uh, Paul Arego is a massive example of that um mm -hmm. and other artists like Anna Marie Pachenko um and Marcel Hanselar um but then also contemporary artists I um I was really excited I saw the work of a young artist Norel Saleh who's okay amazing they have these kind of huge monumental paintings um and she uses puppets a lot in her work um it's really interesting to talk to her about about puppets and they kind of draw to this this methodology it's uh, yeah, yeah it's fascinating yeah, yeah brilliant and so are you making those uh, is there one specific kind of material that you might use to make them um and does it come through that line from the zuni mod are you using the same methods of creating the puppets as as he would have done yeah so um when i when i started to look at the photos of his and um there's a really great academic in i think he's based in the states called eddie portnoy who did his PhD thesis was about um, Zuni Maud. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it kind of really extensive research. It's really exciting. Um, but there aren't a huge amount of photos of the puppets. But I remember seeing a picture of Zuni and a couple of other um, puppeteers holding the puppets and the kind of size that they were um, and, and the hair kind of looked like human hair. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I, li I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I started making them um, with air drying clay and then with sewing, sewing the clothes and, and the hair, a lot of it is, is human hair. I've got a lot of friends that just post me hair when they get haircuts. I've got quite a terrifying box in my studio of just like hair. Because uh. <laughs> they get the <laughs> names on, it's quite, uh, quite ominous. But, um, <laughs> but, and then I, I, I went through a time where I thought, oh, I've really got to, I've got to grow up, I've got to up upgrade these. I can't make them so kind of ad hoc. Mm. Um, and I, I had to go making some with porcelain. 
but I realized it, it took quite a lot away from them. I think the fact that they're mm. air drying clay, this little, it's not sewn very well when it starts to, over time they start to not disintegrate, you know, things come undone or get lost. And, mm. um, and, uh, and, I, and I think I really, I really like that. So I think it's to create these, these characters that exist um, and kind of imbued with some kind of life, but they're also slightly, ad hoc and, and disintegrating. I feel like it translates best into pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a great aesthetic. It definitely really works with what you're, what you're doing. Um, and uh, obviously, as you said, you know, typing into Google, like your, your Jewish heritage is something that um, really influences your work. And I've seen that you've written on your website also that uh, you, you're wanting to elevate the experiences of Jewish women um and put those stories to the fore um like this is obviously you know a, a a big feat as there are kind of an infinite subjective ways that jewish women and we all experience the world but what do you think is specific to the jewish woman's experience what stories re-emerge throughout your work on that theme um yeah i think that a big influence on my work and this, this kind of idea of, of Jewish women um, mm. is from a lot of Yiddish writers or kind of Yiddish influence writers. Right, um, okay. The, the big juggernaut of Yiddish writing, um, Isaac Bashevis Singer, who he, mm. he, won, he won the Nobel Prize for, for literature, um, which is really cool. But he, um, he wrote a lot of novels and short stories, uh, but one that really affected me, and I think I read it when I was quite a lot younger, was The Magician of Lublin. Mm-hmm. Um, which is about a magician uh, called Yasha Mazza, who um, is set in 19th century Poland. Um, who's, he's a magician, and the, the, the novel is basically his, his life unravelling um, because of he's got all these affairs, there's women in all different towns and a wife somewhere, and it all just starts to fall apart. And that's mm-hmm. the premise of this novel, is this kind of tumbling fall... Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into the tumbling fall. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm kind of, kind of down for it. You know, like there's this um, Sabbath, Sabbath Theatre, which is Philip Roth, which I'm really convinced is massively influenced by that novel. Right. Because it's a really similar thing that kind of, this man is kind of washed up, like, and it's this kind of, you know, all these affairs and his lies, everything's catching up with him and it's kind of falling, you know. Mm. But, but what interested me so much with, with these novels, um, so obviously the, the male characters are interesting, but a lot of it was, was the female characters that support the narrative and that kind of represent different things. Um, it's like if you look at Shalom Alechem's um, Tevi the Dairyman, which is what the Fiddler on the Roof's based on. Right, okay. Which I love, which is great. Um, yeah. <laughs> all the daughters, they're, they're actually just metaphors for the different things that happened to the Jews in that time. They're, they're kind of removed from any agency. Um, and uh, and in Isaac Bashevis Singer's The Magician of Lublin, um, Yasha's assistant is this character Magda, and I was really fascinated with this with this character um, because when I first read it, I thought that she was a really pathetic character, just sort mm. of that she followed him everywhere, did whatever he wanted, and then I won't give it away because it's it's a great novel, but okay. it didn't it, it doesn't work out. It's it's really it's really sad. It's very tragic. Yeah. Um, but then actually when I reread it, it was, it's actually all these women putting up with all, all of this, you know, they're putting up with all of these things. Um, 
happening to them and it's actually quite it's quite profound um yeah and this this thread of, of the jewish the jewish woman uh, like uh, when you have your um that mitzvah you sing the eshechayel which is uh means a woman of valor a woman of worth and it's a sort of prayer that's you know she extends her hand to the poor you know she, yeah. she rises early to clothe her household um and it's all about kind of celebrating you know the, a righteous woman but in this way that that's quite kind of restricted I, I could be it could be argued it's quite restrictive um yeah yeah and, and i think because yeah. i've got i've got five sisters which is it's pretty yeah pretty insane um <laughs> and i think just this kind of idea of all these these sort of women and girls kind of play and, and interacting um and becoming worthy of kind of elevated to the position of kind of icons or you know I think that's something that really inspires, mm. really inspires my work. Mm, yeah I, th I think that's just, it's so beautiful just the way that you know you're marrying um the sort of the literature that you read and the the, the characters that emerge with these the puppets and the draw you know it's just it's such a you're almost creating such a wonderful little world within your your body of work that the viewer can step into and sort of go and play around with these characters, but also sort of learn from them and um, uh, be guided by them, which I, I in, into, into stuff, you know, that, that I wasn't aware of the references, for instance, that you, you brought up. So um, yeah, it's really stunning. And, I, and I, I, I would love, you know, I think it'd be exciting to even see this little shed that you're creating. Cause I bet you've got all of these sort of little, characters all around you sort of playing <laughs> imaginatively it's really great um, um and i and i love the the postcard you made for us blue magda um could you talk us through the card and for instance who is magda <laughs> yeah um so the the character um i'm all, i'm all, i always have to pause before i start going into the stories just because i think they sound so mad and incoherent <laughs> but you know you're just like oh it sounds crazy um but i think i think that it is yeah, it, yeah. I, I think you're right about the kind of world is i have built this kind of world that i kind of play in it's almost like mm. a, you know, kids and then this is back there they do this but uh the, the the puppet that she's drawn from um mm. uh i called her it's quite a long like that song native new yorker but in west Ealing. okay so <laughs> you know there's I, I don't know if you heard it's like a disco song like native new yorker where it's like it's a really nice song like talking about this girl who's a native new yorker being in new york and yeah, um yeah just kind of when you listen to it you're like wow like i feel good and she must feel really good like this really beautiful girl you kind of imagine mm. what she looks like um yeah and uh and so i uh my fa my family live near they live they live near ealing and i um was walking down <laughs> west ealing high road and i just felt i felt really good like yeah you know and I, and so I kind of made this, this puppet that was the embodying when you feel really good, you go out to have a boogie and you're all dressed up. And um, I've been going to some like Northern Soul do's, you know. Right, yeah. And they've got the kind of hair and like kind of quite fascinated with subculture and uh, communities and you know, fascinating. Mm. And so I, I made this puppet that was this, this girl, like Native New Yorker, but West Ealing, sort of feeling really, um, feeling really fly. Uh, and, um, and, but then, also often just before you kind of realize that you're you're a mug it's kind of that, <laughs> that kind of hinged moment um when yeah you're right. about to about to make an idiot of yourself really um oh so, i love it <laughs> yeah. so 
so but Magda is the name of Yasha's assistant um and often um I get the I feel like I get the characters to play different characters because some of them I can swap their heads and make different mm. clothes for them but also this kind of idea of her in that moment playing that kind of character and so this kind of you look at her and she looks really happy and, and confident um in blue <laughs> but yeah. then it's, it's kind of about to about to kind of switch um I'm kind of fascinated with that because I think that's a very universal experience and a very, very universal women's experience you know and you feel really great I've got this and and then there's I just feel really feeling really embarrassed <laughs> yeah. oh that's so great I, I was kind of looking at the photograph I got the image up as you were describing it and I think you've definitely captured that that's such a wonderful story um yeah really great well I've got to say I've really enjoyed chatting to you um this afternoon and I've loved getting to know your work it's really stunning and I'll be looking forward to seeing uh, uh, any of the drawings that you put out that you've been doing um oh great in lockdown um uh, and yeah, so all the best with all the studies and whatnot. Um, yeah, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. And um, thanks so much. Oh, nice, Thank you so much. No worries. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Art and a Postcard. You're listening to Series 3, A Colourful Summer, all about our upcoming summer auction between the 25th of June and the 9th of July. You can bid for all artworks online and each work starts at just £50. As always, all proceeds go towards the Hepatitis C Trust and their campaign to eliminate the virus by 2025. If you're liking the podcast, please do like, subscribe, share and tell all your friends about it. It all helps to get the word out and it all comes back to the hard work and efforts of the charity. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful week.